Achieving something known as net zero, in other words, balancing the amount of greenhouse gases produced by an activity and the amount removed from the atmosphere, is a key focus of leaders in the global livestock industry and among food manufacturers and retailers specifically. What will it take to achieve net zero, and how will that effort affect food production and consumption around the globe? Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we learn about the pathways to net zero for the global dairy industry. We'll also get a report from the recent United Nations Food Systems Summit. This podcast is sponsored by Arm & Hammer Animal and Food Production and their science-hearted podcast, Food Chain Chats. In a recent episode, you can listen to Dr. Jack McReynolds, Director of Research and Food Development, and Dr. Christine Alvarado, Technical Services Director, tap into their extensive hands-on expertise as part of the Arm & Hammer Animal and Food Production team and discuss some of the most pressing food safety issues. You can listen and subscribe to Food Chain Chats wherever you dig into your favorite podcasts. Pathways to Dairy Net Zero, a groundbreaking new climate initiative launched with some 40 leading organizations, including 11 of the 20 largest dairy companies in the world, declaring their support for the effort. Now, collectively, the supporters represent roughly 30% of total milk production worldwide. The new climate initiative demonstrates the global dairy sector's commitment to reducing greenhouse gas emissions while continuing to produce nutritious foods for 6 billion people and for providing the livelihoods of one billion of those global citizens. In a recent edition of Feedstuffs 365, our Sarah Muirhead sat down with Donald Moore of the Global Dairy Platform to find out more about achieving net zero. Donald, let's kick things off by having you tell us a bit about the Global Dairy Platform. What is the platform? Who are the members? What else does the organization do? The Global Dairy Platform was formed back in 2006 by four of the world's largest dairy cooperatives. Uh, Dairy Farmers America from here in the United States, Fonterra from down in New Zealand, Isla Foods from Denmark, and Campina, now Friesland Campina from the Netherlands. And they all came together and said, there's lots of things we compete on, but there's a number of challenges and indeed opportunities we have in common. So let's collaborate on those. So that was the genesis. Today, we've got um, over 100 members in about 37 countries around the world with business operations in 150 countries. And we focus not only on sustainability, which we're going to be talking about today, but on nutritional security. We fund research into areas such as protein quality. We also work on dairy development. And we have a program called Dairy Nourishes Africa, which might be uh, interesting for a future um, discussion, as well as spending a lot of time representing the dairy sector at UN events. And we're going to touch on that today. So as for the, the, the pathways, to Dairy Net Zero. What exactly is is that initiative about and and how did that get started? Why is it needed? Why is it needed? Great question. And and what have we been doing about it? Look, we know we've been working for years. I've been with Global Dairy Platform for the last 11 years and we and other industry groups like the um, the U.S. Dairy Industry Association, DMI, etc. We've all been working on research around dairy for all that time. We know dairy is good for health and nutrition. We know dairy is good for reducing poverty. Dairy is good for women's empowerment. It's good for rural communities. It's good for livelihoods and economic growth. We know, we know, we know all the good that dairy does in the world. 
But on the other hand, we recognize and acknowledge that the dairy sector, like all agricultural commodities, has an impact on the natural environment in which it operates. And for anyone who's following the climate change debates and discussions that go on at the moment, you'll recognize that agriculture is part of those discussions. So this is what we're doing in the dairy sector globally to raise the ambitions to tackle climate change from our dairy sector globally. And so that's what the motivation is behind this initiative. Now, we don't need to run through every one of them because I think there's quite a group. But my understanding is that that there are a number of organizations that are really lending their support to to this initiative. Give us just a general idea on who those folks are. Well, I'm pleased you don't want all the names because I have to say that that I don't even think I've got the latest list. It grows daily. We When we launched, we started with over 40 global organizations. Between them, they represented a little over 30% of the world's milk production already. But from, from the U.S., companies like Dairy Farmers of America, Land O'Lakes, Leprino, Elanco, Hillmar, they're all part of the initiative, as are big global organizations like Danone and Nestle. Then you've got some major industry association groups here in the U.S., National Milk Producers Federation, Dairy Management Inc., the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy, International Dairy Foods, U.S. DEC, to name but a few. But then we've also got the international component to that, groups like the National Dairy Development Board from India, um, JMILK, the Japanese Industry Association, the Dutch Industry Association, the Australians. So we've got made support from those major industry groups around the world. And then we're actually getting support for this initiative from a lot of the developing world as well. Smaller processors and farmers in countries like Nepal, South Africa, Mexico, Kenya. So we've got incredible support from all over the world and right across the dairy value chain as well. Not just farmers and processors, but input suppliers as well. So very much a global initiative as well as a overall industry encompassing type initiative. What uh, now? There, I think there's, if I recall, six key principles of the Dairy Net Zero Initiative. What sure. what exactly are those, and and how did those well, come to be? <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So these six principles, and I should have said at the start that um, the pathways to Dairy Net Zero, which is what we're talking about was formed by six organizations. Global Dairy Platform that I run is one of the six organizations. The other five are the um, SAI platform out of Europe, which is Sustainable Agriculture Initiative, the International Dairy Federation, our sister organization, the IFCN Dairy Network, the Dairy Sustainability Framework, ILRI, the International Livestock Research Institute. So all of those organizations, as well as Global Dairy Platform, sit behind this. And um, the motivation, again, is about raising the global ambition on climate change across the dairy sector. And for those of us sitting in the United States, you know, we're doing a great job here in terms of tackling climate change. But we need to recognize that some 80 percent of greenhouse gas emissions from the dairy sector come from the developing world. So it's not enough for us to just tackle this problem at home. We have to help the rest of the world to tackle the the challenge globally. That's the, the bit about raising the ambition. As you said, there are six principles. The first one is about mitigation. So what are all the things we can do, the continuous improvement to reduce the emissions from the dairy sector? Um, We've recently completed a study that demonstrates that over a 10-year period from 2005 to 2015, we reduced the emission intensity of dairy globally by 11%. So we know that can be done. 
The second is about removing greenhouse gases. So what is it that we can do that enhance practice or practices that enhance and protect both above ground and below ground um, stores for greenhouse gas? So sinks like carbon sequestration or agroforestry. The third principle is about avoidance and adaptation. And there we're really talking about that recognition of the important role that the dairy sector plays in recycling and reuse of biomass but also improving the feed and um, how we handle manure, fertilizer and energy management on farms. They're all ways that we can avoid or adapt to climate change. Then we've got the challenge around insets and offsets. So what can we do on farm with energy management, et cetera, solar, wind um, to provide offsets? Measuring and monitoring is obviously important. And lastly, support. And that's not just support for the initiative, but support for each other in in the journey that we're on. These key principles, is there is there one or two that stand out that are actually more important than the others or is it is it equal across the board? You know, I think uh, if you think about this in a time series, there are things that we can be doing right now. Um, we as Global Dairy Platform, I mentioned our Dairy Nourishes Africa initiative right at the start. Uh, we know that in parts of Africa, by just changing practices, we can reduce um, greenhouse gas emissions by up to 40%. And so I think there's some low-hanging fruit, particularly in that mitigation and removals area that we can be working on right now. There are maybe, according to the research that we're doing, up to 40% globally that we could reduce greenhouse gas emissions by practice change. Then we know there's another 30, 35%, roughly some number like that, that we could get to, which involves innovation and technology. Now that innovation and technology doesn't always scale from large farms to small farms or from intensive to extensive systems. But over the next decade or two, we know that you know, the cost of those innovations will come down and they will be more generally applicable. And then longer term, we've got some future research we've got to do. So, yeah, there are things we can be doing right now, um, really in that mitigation, avoidance, adaptation and removal space. You mentioned that, you know, the dairy industry is, is well, it seemed like you mentioned, well along in its path towards net zero emissions. But like where in the scale, where, where are we at? Um, how much farther do we have to go? Oh, we've all got a long way to go. So let's not kid ourselves. This is a long term journey. And, you know, the horizon that we're setting is 2050. So this is this is something that's going to take, you know, quite some time to get there. The best time to start this journey was yesterday. The next best time is today. So if you haven't already thought about what you're doing in your business, your farm, your processing facility or whatever, start today. The journey is not going to be, what is it somebody keeps telling me, this is a marathon and not a sprint. So we've got a lot of work to do. And I think um, that horizon 2050 does give us time as well. Um, you've probably seen the recent reports out of IPCC and other areas really focusing on methane. I think as a dairy sector, we have a unique opportunity to really position ourselves as leaders in this space. The other thing I would want to mention here is that some people may not realize this, the dairy sector is the world's largest agricultural commodity group by value and third largest by volume. So we're a big game in time. And we're the only global commodity group that is trying to tackle this challenge around greenhouse gas emissions at scale en masse. And because of that, the UN is sitting up and paying attention. So we're having 
some really interesting discussions, both with the Global Research Alliance on Agricultural Greenhouse Gases. And I need to acknowledge the, the work that groups like FAO have put in to support us in framing this journey as well. So what what role does you mentioned research and you mentioned, you know, it's it's there's a lot of work to, to do. What role does science play in the pathways to dairy net zero initiative? Is it is it a critical component or is it is it something that, you know, might be looked at now and then? Where where is that at? It is phenomenally important. We have a um, a partner, if you like, our knowledge partner in this endeavor is a group called the Global Research Alliance on Agricultural Greenhouse Gases. If, if you're not familiar with them, they represent the governments of 65 countries. Here in the US, we were one of the founders of GRA. So we're working very, very closely with them. They bring together the academics from right across those 65 countries to look at GHG emissions from agriculture. They have a very um, active group working with large ruminants and so we're contracted directly with them they are at this stage doing the the research that underpins this it's really i think it's fascinating research because we're looking firstly at what are the different farm system topologies around the world and how do we develop different methods different pathways that those different farm systems can uh, um, follow in order to reduce their emissions those pathways are underpinned by an analysis of all of the existing mitigation methods, practices um, that, that exist and are being used. And we're right at the stage where we're modeling those different mitigations against the different pathways to come up with very practical and pragmatic guides that we can share with people. That's sort of the here and now bit. The longer term bit is if you add up the 40 and the 35 I was talking about before, that leaves us with a 25% residual. And that really is about long-term future research that we as a dairy sector can do globally together to help tackle this challenge. So there's research currently underway or is that something that's a little further down the road? Well, there's research already underway. Um, it's been, you know, we initiated it um, earlier this year. We are hopeful that we'll get the, there's a very large modeling component in here and that's as more complex than we all anticipated, but we should have that ready soon. And then that will allow us to develop the pathways component. Um, UN Food System Summit. We just, uh, we're coming out of that here. And I believe you folks were probably a little involved in that. Tell us about your role. Right. Um, yes, as Global Dairy Platform. In fact, I think all of the, the partners I mentioned to the Pathways to Dairy Net Zero were all involved in one way or another. I, I uh, as, as Global Dairy Platform, we put a lot of time and effort into the Food Systems Summit, as did our dairy ambassadors. And I should recognize that group. It tends to be farm leaders from around the world with quite a few people from the US on our dairy ambassador program. So we, we attended all of the public events. We made numerous submissions. We submitted Pathways to Dairy Net Zero as one of the, the key commitments to the Food Systems Summit. Um, we also, I served on the private sector guiding group to the summit. So we were very involved. And as you said, um, I think the best bit about the Food Systems Summit was it ended about two weeks ago. Um, you know, it was a two year effort and now it's really focused attention back into Rome, which is what they call in the UN the Rome-based agencies, which is FAO, the Food and Ag Organization, 
DFAD, the International Fund for Agricultural Development, the World Food Programme and the UN Committee on World Food Security. And those groups in conjunction with the United Nations Environment Programme, the United Nations Development Agency and World Health Organization are now charged with taking forward the outcomes from the, the Food System Summit. Uh, ultimately, for livestock, we had a reasonably good outcome from that summit and um, have launched a, a global coalition on sustainable livestock that um, the dairy sector is quite actively involved with. And we're actually using that to bring attention to this Pathways to Dairy Net Zero initiative as well. Well, that wasn't uh, there was a little fear going into the summit in terms of how livestock would uh, would be represented and, and what the outcome would be. So, yeah, we're, we're all quite relieved that there was some common sense put uh, put into that as, as the summit, um, uh, you know, wrapped up. But the summit was a little different, too, right? Then and what we normally see with these summits, it was more of a public discussion as opposed to policy setting of some sort. Absolutely. And, and that's something people need to recognize. This was it was um, heralded as what they called a people's summit. So normally, and, and by the way, we're, we're actively involved in the UN and have been for years. I even chaired the entire private sector engagement with the UN Committee on World Food Security for several years. But normally a UN summit results in what they call a negotiated outcome and a declaration which the countries sign on to they negotiate and sign on to this was not that this was a people's forum which really ended up with just a statement from the secretary general of the un so no countries are bound to follow any of the outcomes from the summit and um, there's some great stuff has come through from it there's also some um, ideology that fortunately didn't make its way um, through the summit but as I say, no, no one is bound to follow it, but I think they will be, they will pick up the good bits from it and um, probably ignore the rest. So what's next for the global dairy platform for 2022 and beyond? Well, we're not finished 2021 yet. And, well, um, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> True. But, um, and so the reason I make that comment is um, at the start of November, we have the climate change summit so COP26, which will happen in Glasgow in the UK, it was deferred from last year. And this COP is the first climate change summit where agriculture is core to the agenda. So they've had a very active work program for the last four years that we've participated in. We will be active throughout uh, COP26, making sure that the dairy sector is recognised for the responsible uh, way we're approaching climate. We're hoping to host an event during that on um, Pathways to Dairy Net Zero. They still haven't announced which side events will happen, but we're very hopeful that we will have an event there on this particular initiative. And we're aware that other groups like EFAD, the International Fund for Ag Development, have asked us to be speakers at their event on climate neutral commodities. So this year, a lot of work still to go on with the um, with basically talking about and and explaining this particular initiative. Then in the early part of 2022, UNEA, the United Nations Environment Assembly, there again, slightly different focus, but we need to make sure that we're there representing and presenting the role that dairy plays. And then we've got to actually tackle the hard work of getting on with the job. So finalizing these pathways, developing methods and models for outreach and extension services in some of these markets to help the local uh, farmers, the local processors with their journey towards uh, net zero, 
we will be implementing the dairy sustainability framework, which um, we're currently um, currently operates around the world. We'll be using that as the, the method for measuring and monitoring progress and further developing that. And so we got a lot of work ahead of us, um, no doubt sounds, about it. Sounds like you and I might be touching base here too and getting some updates from you as, as these things proceed. So um, finally, as we wrap up, how best for folks to, to keep up on what's going on on the global dairy platform? What do you know, what you folks are up to and maybe more information on some of the initiatives you're sure. involved in? Yeah, we produce a monthly or bi-monthly bulletin. You can go to, globaldairyplatform.com under media bulletins you can read we just last week we launched a, a paper on um, uh, uh, carbon credits whether to sell or hold um, you know to sort of give advice to the dairy sector um, we also launched um, a life cycle analysis methodology about carbon sequestration that's being tested in 100 pilots around the world so all of that sort of info about what Global Dairy Platform's up to is on our, our website, so feel free to do that. But I would encourage, perhaps most importantly, go to the Pathways to Dairy Net Zero.org website, sign the declaration, sign up as a supporter, and you will be receiving regular updates about the work that's going on globally within the dairy sector to tackle greenhouse gas emissions. Thanks to Donald Moore of the Global Dairy Platform for his insights into the recent UN Food System Summit and into the pathways to net zero in global dairy production. This podcast was sponsored by Arm & Hammer Animal and Food Production and their science-hearted podcast, Food Chain Chats. Subscribe to take a deep dive into important topics in animal and food production and food safety. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google, or come back to our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.